0: Well, it is a joy to be here. let me tell you, just uh, it's been a long time since I was pastor here, and just to seeing the new generation up here leading us uh, is just so exciting, and that's the way God works. and uh, what a joy to be here. I want to thank uh, this opportunity from Pastor Aaron to share with you this morning, and I know that uh, Brenda enjoyed being here, so we thank Silvana for and her team for uh, putting this together and making it possible for us to come up here today. And I have talked to a few of you that I used to know, and I see some that I haven't talked to yet. So we definitely want to see you. But it's so good to see your faces and uh, just to see that you're still alive and uh, moving <laughs> on. And what uh, a lot of joy! You know, young people think they won't get old, but let me tell you, you will. And, uh, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I mean, life is fun, and we just move on. And, uh, you know, when you're a believer, you never die uh, spiritually, and so you go to heaven and just keep on living and uh, relating to God, and what, that's what it's all about. And so it's a wonderful experience. Well, this morning, uh, if you'll open your Bibles um, to uh, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, I want to read just a few verses here that give you an idea perhaps of uh, what we're going to be talking about today. But in chapter 1, beginning with verse 27, Genesis 1, 27, I don't know what your custom is here, but we're going to stand right now in honor of God's Word, and uh, so I'll read from 27 to 31, and here's what it says. Hopefully you found it because it's the first uh, page of your Bible. All right, here's what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, notice those words, God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I gave you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. May God bless his word. You may be seated. Now, this morning, as I begin to share with you and talk to you a little bit, I assume that most of you, if not all of you in this building, believe in God. Now, we shouldn't assume that, because one time I was um, actually in, uh, in Portugal, and I was speaking there at a particular church, and it was an area where people from other countries would come because it was a nice area, and, and they would spend the summer there from uh, different countries, and... And so I preached in this particular church, and then that afternoon uh, we were leaving, and we were going to go to the airport, but before we went there, we stopped to eat, and as we were there in this food court, there was a table, a couple men were there, and apparently they went to this church, so we stopped and started talking to them, and uh, they had to do something with science, and very intelligent men, and so I said, well, you know, I'm uh, so glad to meet you, and y'all were at church this morning, he said, oh yeah, we go to that church, but we don't believe in any of that stuff. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, yeah, we're, we're, we're atheists, sort of atheists. But then they began to talk to me about science and about the stars and the constellations and uh, the heavens. And they were saying some incredible things. It's been a long time. I can't remember all they said. But all I know, I was just enthralled. I mean, it was amazing what these men were saying. And the more they talked, the more I believed in God. I mean, you know, the more they explained to me What was going on there, I thought, wow, you know, we have an incredible God. So when uh, it was time to go, I said, you know, look, I've got to go, but I just want to tell you, man, this one thing, I want to thank you, because you have so strengthened my faith in God, and uh, yet they didn't believe in God. Uh, But you know, so I'm assuming today, though, that uh, I'm in a group here of people that really uh, know God and believe in God, and uh, really want to share Him with the world. Now, I want to ask you a very, what I believe is an important question. I asked this question to many people today, and, you know, I find that most people, even though it's a, I I think the answer is fairly simple, but most people do not know actually uh, how to answer this question. And, And here's the question. You know, the question is this, what is the fundamental, number one reason God put you here on this earth? What is it? that God wants? Why were you born? Why did he knit you together in your mother's womb according to Psalm 139? You know, what does God want with you? What is the ultimate purpose ultimately, uh, you know, of life? And what is it that it's all about? Well, you know, the answer really is very simple, but I don't know how much we really think about it. And so here's the answer. I'm going to tell you, we don't have time. The answer is this. The answer is that God wants to have A daily, vital, wonderful relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so today, what we want to do is talk about being born for relationship. Born for relationship. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about uh, really three main things today. We're going to talk about, you know, what is life really all about? And it's about relationships. In second place, we're going to talk, you know, what, uh, uh, what was and is essential to make it work like it's supposed to work. How, if life is going to work like it's supposed to work, what do we need? Well, we need something all of you know about, and it's called salvation. And we're going to get there. The third thing we're going to be talking about today is, you know, what are the benefits? What is actually the result of this new relationship with God? I personally believe that one of the reasons many, many Christians never go very far is because they do not understand how good it is to be a Christian. You know, Christianity is the superior way of life. There is no religion. There is nothing in the world that can offer you what Christianity offers. And so we need to understand and grasp a little bit and and perhaps get a few concepts in our mind about that particular truth. Now, Let's start with uh, what is life all about. You see, God loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants it to bring joy to your heart. You know, uh, I read it, but you know the first thing God did after he created mankind? The very first thing, he talked to him. That's what God did. That's in Genesis 1. I read it to you. He said to man, he talked to him. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, God Talk to man in Genesis chapter 3. They're walking in the cool of the day in, uh, you, you know, in that forest or in that garden, wherever it was there. They're just dialoguing, they're having a wonderful time. You know, a lot of people think that uh, you know God created man and he just went out there and sinned immediately. I frankly, I don't believe the Bible shows that or teaches that. They were having a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And um, if you stop to think about it, really, the Bible. It's a book of relationships. If you just go right over here and you you read the life of Enoch, even though we only have two or three verses, what does it say? It says that Enoch walked with God. If you just go on to chapter 6 and you read about Noah, what are you going to find about Noah? Noah walked with God. And if you go a little further and you talk about Abraham, Abraham was the friend of God. Abraham had such a relationship with God that he actually talked to God about saving a city that God was planning to destroy. I mean, that's pretty powerful and and, and courageous for him to go and talk to God about that. But I'm going to tell you, it was a relationship that he had. His son Isaac was out in the field meditating uh, before he got married, and what was he doing? He was meditating on God. And Jacob saw you know, this vision of God. He had an incredible relationship. And I'll tell you, all you have to do is go through scripture. Moses, he saw the back of God because of a relationship. David was a man after God's own heart despite all of his problems. Daniel was a man who wouldn't give in and, and bow to another God. Why? Because he loved God. He had a relationship with God. You go to the New Testament what do you find? You find Jesus and, Jesus. and you know, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because Jesus spent time with his father. He prayed. He was with him all of the time. And, and then you have the apostle Paul. My goodness our great theologian that we study all the time and what was that all about it was about relationship now we shouldn't be so surprised because let me ask you a question what is life all about see life is about relationships you you might have a spouse that's a relationship your children that's a relationship your husband your wife your your mother your father your uncle your aunt your uncle you see all of our blood relatives it's relationships You go beyond that and uh, what you have there, you have uh, people like your friends, those are relationships, your acquaintances, whether it's deep or not deep, it's still uh, relationships. And uh, you have colleagues, you have your church, you have a group of people in this room right now. Some of you know each other well, some of you don't know each other well. But, you know, you could establish relationships. And I'll tell you, the relationships that must be established in this room are absolutely crucial. You must not let go of these relationships. It grows a church. And any time that there's discord in the relationships in a church, it can cause chaos. And it must not happen. But, you know, it's relationships. Life is nothing but relationships. Now, I'm the first to recognize that uh, some of you may have had wonderful relationships, parents and grandparents that loved you and, and helped you and encouraged you and still do that, uh, and others of you here perhaps have had traumatic relationships in your life, and you perhaps even some of you, and I know some of you, have been abused unfortunately and there have been hurts down deep inside in your heart and in your life and who knows what's happened i I recognize that that is true but you know it doesn't change the fact that it's been relationships now the wonderful thing even for every single person here whether you've been abused or hurt or whatever the situation is we have a god with whom we can have a relationship that is always good you know god is like the perfect father and, you know, one day he was there with Adam and Eve, and he said, look at this incredible garden that I'm giving you. Fruit trees everywhere. I mean, you are free to eat from any of these trees. Apples, pears, figs, oranges, whatever it is. You know, you can have it all. I've given it to you. It's just one tree you can't have. Just one. Just one. Can't eat of this one. The tree of the knowledge of good evil. You know, at the moment... And by the way, at that moment, you know, when God said to Adam and Eve, Lord, you can have everything except one thing. You know what happened? At that very moment, man was given free will, which is a choice. You know, God did not make you a marionette. You know, you're not a doll. You don't have to bow. You have a choice whether or not you want God or you don't want God. And on that day, he gave man a choice. And, um, he could either obey or God or disobey God. He could either love God or go against God. He could either seal that relationship forever or fall into the greatest tragedy of all time called sin. That's what he did. He chose sin. So they entered a losing war with God. Do you realize on that day that Adam and Eve decreed spiritual, physical actually, and spiritual death for themselves? So they ate of the tree. A tragic separation occurred with regard to the eternal relationship between God and man. So we have to come to this next concept. You know, what is essential to make life work like it's supposed to work? Well, well, If we skip millennia and we consider the history found in the New Testament, we come to Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes to this earth, and all of you study this, you know this. But when he was 12 years old, he's there in the temple, and you know, we discover he had already had a vital relationship with God. Let's not discount these children. I tell you, they're brilliant. We start them early. And they can avoid all kinds of issues and problems that the world is throwing at them all the time. If you, as parents and grandparents and friends, would just encourage them and help them, and trust them, and put it in their hands, Jesus was twelve, and he starts then later as thirty and thirty. As when he was thirty. His ministry, he's baptized by, by John. And you know, like I said, God from heaven says, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus had been spending according to Mark 135 time with his father. You know, he was in such close relationship with God the Father that he would say, You know, my work is to do the will of my father. So we know the story, but you know, at the end of those three years here on earth, what happened? He goes to the cross after showing us how to live, after showing and living a perfect life. He goes to the cross and he's killed paying for your sins and for mine. Paying for your sins and mine. When Jesus cried out in Matthew 27, 46, remember when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let me tell you what that meant. You see, from eternity, there was God. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. They were triune. They were in a relationship. When he said, Why hast thou forsaken me? Something incredible happened. The eternal relationship that up to that time was perfect. It was broken for the very first time in all of eternity. They broke their relationship. And why? So that the entire weight of the world's sin could fall Upon Jesus. The entire weight of our sin, you see, they had to separate so that Jesus on the cross could take all of the weight of sin that was there. And so they were separated so that you and I could come back to God, so that you and I could start living the reason for which we were created. You see, Jesus that day became the bridge the bridge, so that we could come back to the reason for which we were born, as we would confess our sins, as we would trust in Christ as our Savior. I, I, listen, I don't know of your past. And uh, I said earlier, some of you may have, you know, you've come from good families, you've lived, generally speaking, a good life. I know that others here have suffered, like I said, Perhaps you were abused physically Emotionally, sexually, mentally Maybe You were even abandoned By a parent You know uh, Sometimes we judge people so quickly uh, If you follow Basketball, professional basketball There was a player And he's just stopped playing But Dennis Rodman He's a pro basketball player in America And, and he writes about a time when he was very young And um, You know, things were difficult in his home. And his father really wasn't the father he should be. But Dennis Rodman still liked his father. But his father one day said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And Dennis, as a child, begged his father not to leave. Don't leave, Dad, don't leave. But you know, after a few days, Dennis Rodman's father gets in a car and he says, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. And he backs out his driveway. And Dennis was there. He said, Dad, don't go. Don't go, Dad. Don't go. And he backs his car up. And then he goes down the street. And he leaves that home. And Dennis runs after that car saying, Dad, don't leave. Don't leave. And his father abandoned him. He abandoned him. Let me tell you something. Our God who abandoned his son for a moment on the cross for your sake will never abandon you he will never abandon you and praise god he raised jesus from the dead so christ is alive today so i'm telling all of us here today and but you that yet don't have that privilege of knowing this incredible God, that uh, you can start your walk with God today. You can accept the truth that God loves you and uh, that admit that you're a sinner because, listen, when Adam sinned, after that we all sinned. Every person has sinned. And we're separated from God. But you know, Jesus came to die on that cross to take your sin and to forgive you of your sin if you'll simply believe into him and ask him to come into your life and give you eternal life. And then at that moment, a new relationship begins and all of a sudden, life springs forth like the sun. We must come to Christ. You know, God created us for a relationship and all was going well. Well, But man blew the relationship, and so we were separated from God. So there had to be a way, and the only way was Jesus Christ. You know, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now, you know, I'm going to talk to you about some benefits. You know, what is the result of this new relationship with God? I just, um, over my life, I've just said, you know, there's a problem. And somehow Christian people haven't connected. They just don't know how good they have it. And that bothers me because you have it good. We need to understand that we have something the world does not have. And uh, if you just go through Scripture, you find amazing things and many, many things. But let's just start with one of the benefits. Well, first of all, you have eternal life with God. You see, when uh, this physical body that we have stops cooperating with us, and it's no more, right? You know, the real you continues to live with life to live eternally with God. This relationship continues in heaven. You know, uh, a lot of times we, and and I have no problem with this, Any any way you want to share the gospel with somebody, that's fine with me as long as you share the gospel. But You know, we talk sometimes, well, you know, we're saved in order to go to heaven. That is not the reason you're saved. You are saved to have a relationship with God. And that relationship goes forever. It so happens It will continue in heaven. Heaven is the icing on the cake. That's where we're going to spend eternity with God. But you know, if we don't have a relationship with God, first of all, we're not even going to get there. But you know, that's why that relationship ought to be deep. The deeper it is, the better it's going to be. Uh, Perhaps. I think it's just going to be great. But uh, you know, the relationship is a forever relationship. That's something you receive. And then another thing you receive is peace. Peace in your soul your soul is made up, as you know, of your mind, everything you think, of your will, everything you do, actions, and of and of your emotions, everything you feel, and you know God gives you peace. Now I think the ladies heard this, but uh, this week, but I want to tell you just real quick, uh, perhaps to this, that for the men that are here and those that weren't able to go, you know, we have a, a daughter, and she was working in a business, and. So she had a desk right here, and literally about just a few feet over was another desk, and there was a girl sitting here, one of her friends. And this girl over here would get out once in a while, and she'd come up and sit on this desk, and she would say, oh, it feels so good here. And I said, what do you mean it feels so good? Well, I just feel peace here in this desk. You feel peace here? Yeah. Well, what, what do you feel over here? And she said, well, you know, over there I feel agony and pain, inner turmoil, It's just terrible over here on my desk. Now, what is that? What happened? Well, see, here's, let me tell you what happened. Over on this desk, there was a person that had the Spirit of God living in her. And whenever you have the Spirit of God living in you, when you are around people and you have peace, listen, that peace of God just touches them. Doesn't mean they have the peace of God. It just means that they're in Front of people who have the peace of God and say, Man, this is good. This is good. She had a baby shower, the same thing happened. It's incredible it was at our house. And some girl came in, and then the next day she says, What is the deal about your house? She says, What are you talking about? Well, I walked into that house and I, I felt a peace I'd never felt before in my life. See, It's not us. It's just the Spirit. It's true in your life. If a non-believer comes to your home and you're a person, you love God, let me tell you, they feel that difference. The world does not have peace. They may have money. They may have power. They may be in a position you'd like to be. They may be somebody over you in your work. But let me tell you something. If they don't have Christ, they do not have the peace that you have. They don't have the joy. See, God, you receive joy, very special joy. Um, you know, we live in a critical, difficult, sometimes tragic days, but you know, uh, praise God, He's in control because sometimes it is, uh, you go, whoa, mercy me, what are we living in? But, uh, you know, you can have joy despite all of that. One of our problems is we don't, um, you know, in many ways we're not supposed to compare things, but, you know, there are some things you are supposed to compare so that you can understand them. For example, this thing of joy, of happiness. You know, we, uh, we were missionaries in Brazil, and when we were there, we started a church in our home, in our apartment complex, and, uh, you know, it grew a little bit, and then we moved to a school, and we were there, and, and in the very early part of that uh, time there, we decided to have a party and just a very simple christian party. Uh, what was a christian party? well, it was a progressive dinner, right? So we would have a salad at this home, they moved to another home and had dinner and moved to another home and had dessert and games and whatever. And so we invited some people. Well, there were actually 34 members of the church were there and there were six non-christians. These were all adult people. One of them was almost a general and uh, so we had our party, and everything was fine. And the, it was over. The next day, this man calls me on the phone. He says, "Eddie, I want to tell you something." I said, "Okay." He says, "That was the best party I have ever been to in my life." And I'm thinking, really? Um, now, this man was in his late fifties. He's in the military all his life. I said, "So, okay." Tell me about this a little bit. He said, well, first of all, they were interested in me. So our people gathered around him, and they're talking to him, you know, and making him feel welcome. And so here he is, a man has gone to parties all of his life, and no one has ever been interested in him. Second thing he told me, he says, you know, your people are happy. Out of the parties I go to, they may, you know, smile. They're not happy. You can see right through it. He says, You know, your party, no one there was hypocritical like the parties I go to. Your youth, they're pure. He said, It's just amazing. But you know, six people contacted me. All of them were those non Christians. And all of them said, This was an amazing party. And you know, I was just flabbergasted because you know what? We as Christians don't realize what we've got, what you have, that the world would love to be a part of. They would love it if they could just do it. And then you know, another thing we receive is security. You know, you do you know that you belong to God forever. And so for first John 5:13, you know, these things I've written unto you that you may what? know that you have eternal life. It's not wonder. It's not hope. that you, you know that you have it. So we have a security in Christ. We receive this. And you know, we receive love. The Bible says in, in uh, John 17, 23, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's praying. He's talking to his father. He says, Father, you love them. You know, how good it is to know that Jesus said his father loves us. But how often we say, well, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Yes, he does. I don't care what you go through, when you go through, what I know pain that you've gone through. You've lost loved ones. You've been through what some people would say literal hell. But let me tell you something. God loves you, and he's right there with you. And he wants you on how to live. You know, um, (laughs) there's the word Bible. There's something about this book, you know. I want to know how to live. I've got to read the book. I've got to read this book. I don't know. You know, you can't force people to read the book. I keep in my Bible a little sheet of paper, and I don't know. Maybe you all have something similar to this—just a personal reading record. When I every book of the Bible is on these two um, front and back, and all the chapters I read the scripture. When I read it, I just mark it. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm good, that I'm doing well. I just want to know where I've read. I don't have to start in Genesis and go to Revelation. I can read anywhere I want to in the Bible. But I read through the Bible, and then when I finish, I get another one, put it in here and do the same thing. Well, I'll tell you something, it it changes your life. This book will make a difference. Now, I had a godly grandfather. The man was amazing. You know, they figured out when he died at 89 years of age, he had read through the Bible 300 times, 300. And at 89, he called me into the living room one time, and he said, Eddie, come here, I want to show you something I just learned. What I'm saying to you, if we want to know how to live, how to live with ourselves, with our family, with our friends, your future, as well as your work, your vocation, your government, your world, we've got to go to God. Got to read the book. Keep reading it. Start today. Do whatever you need to do. Read the Bible. Ask your pastor, God, Pastor, where do I start that did tell you where to start if you don't know where to start. And then you know something else you receive? You receive transformation, which is the grace of God. Now, in Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You know, of course, grace is, is the unmerited favor of God. But I love what some people would call the active definition of grace, which is God giving you the desire and the power to do his work, to do his will. You know, there's something inside of you that happens. Grace inside of you motivates you. It changes you. It does something to you. Now, what does it do? For example, according to that verse, you are motivated to be honest. Now, let's ask, do you think the world out there is motivated to be honest? Is is that what they're all about, being honest? Uh, You know, uh, you're motivated to tell the truth. You know, this think about the world. Is the world out there just telling the truth every time they talk? You know, one secretary was asked one time, you know, do you ever have to lie uh, on, at your work? And she said, oh, yeah. He said, how many times do you lie? He said, 123 a day. He said, what? And they said, yeah, because I, they say, "Hey, yeah, I want to talk to your boss. I look at the boss, and he says, no, I'm not here. So well, the boss is not here. So all day long, she's saying the boss is not here when he's sitting right there. You know, so, you know, look, the world is just out there having a good time, lying, but they're unhappy. You know, you're motivated to live in peace. You're not out there trying to create war. You know, we're out, you see, we're motivated to love the world because we're out doing what? Many of you are out there making disciples, what, of the world. You're making disciples. You know, we're motivated to help people. You're motivated to do good works. You're motivated to be a light to the world around you, to tell others about the only true God that transformed your life. You know, truth, righteousness, and a pure life will be the desire of your heart. That's, that's receiving transformation. See, when God comes into your life through Christ, something happens. And these are some of the things that he gives you so that you can do what he wants you to do. You know, God gives you, you receive a spiritual gift in order to help those around you. You There's a whole list there in Romans 12. You ought to find seven gifts there. You have one of those. And through one of those gifts, you can help people all the time. And then you receive faith. You know, in Hebrews 11, 6, it's impossible to, um, the Bible says, uh, it is impossible to please God without faith. Uh, Because... uh, Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, why we, we think, um, oh, anybody can have faith, but no, God gives you faith. You know, I, I believe in God. <laughs> I hope you know that. I am fascinated by his architecture in all the areas of life. God is indeed the designer. He's the architect of all creation. He, I think God, you know, I think he designed for fun, I think God, you know, when I think of the ocean and the, and the fish and all of these things, I, I just think God had fun making these animals and just say, boy, I'm going to color this one. I won't color this one. I'll make this one this way and this one that way. And, you know, um, he designed the smallest as well as the largest animal on the face of the earth and you know, on between According to many sources, the smallest known animal in the world is a microscopic water dwelling invertebrate called the tardigrade. I think that's the way you pronounce it. This is also known as the water bear, but tardigrades have eight legs and segmented bodies. They look like short, chubby caterpillars. They are found all over the world from the highest mountain to the deepest ocean trenches. Scientists have identified more than a thousand different species of tardigrades and is In the smallest species, adults reach lengths of less than 0.1 millimeters. That's four thousandths of an inch. That's the smallest. So God is saying, "Mm, I think I'll make something real small. And he did. Now, the largest, if I researched correctly, uh, and so forgive me if I didn't, is the blue whale. The tongue of a blue whale weighs more than one elephant. It takes 16 elephants to weigh as much as one blue whale. Now, I'll tell you what. For me, it is easy to believe by faith in this great designer and creator. And then, besides that, you receive the benefits of being his son or his daughter. John 1, 12, as many as believe with him and trust his name to them, give you the power to become what? The children of God. I'll tell you, you know, there's a tremendous benefit in being a son or a daughter of God. Now, these, um, uh, these benefits come from him naturally. You know, i gonna tell you something. God likes to do good things for you. And, um, and it's just a fact. You know, we're not... Uh, Talking here, you know, about this, uh, this concept that many people have about prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you, this is just the way it is. God just likes to do things. You're his children. You know, we like to do good things for our children. You know, Brent and I have four children. They're adults. We love them. I take them out to eat. I still pay for them. I like to pay for them. They say, Dad, you don't have to pay for me. I say, I know I don't. Uh, but, you know, when I get old and I can't work anymore, I'm going to let you do it for me. But right now, you know, I, I can still do it. I, I want to I take you out. I want to pay for you. Now, you know, I realize that uh, some of you fathers are not able to financially do that for your children. That's fine. You know, it doesn't mean that I love them anymore. But it just, I'm their father. I like to do it. That's why I do it. God is our father. He likes to do it. He wants to bless you. He wants to show favor upon your life. I'm going to tell you something. I pray all the time that God will show favor on my children, and he does. And that's not a hard prayer to pray because he's our father. He's our example. You see, when we sin and uh, and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us, and he gives us a clear conscience. You know, when we need a job, he provides one. Sometimes it takes time, and he wants you to be patient. But I'm going to tell you something. He's right there with you. His encouragement and your persistent relationship with him must continue in those times when you need comfort. As a result of a death, he's the one that touches your heart. When you need a favor from God and ask, ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Well, you know what? Besides all of this, the Bible says that God is your strength. You receive strength from him. He's your defense. He defends you. He fights for you because He's powerful. He's holy, and He wants you to be separated for Himself. He works wonders in our lives. Love, His love is unfailing. He is the Redeemer. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He abounds in love, and He maintains love. He abounds in faithfulness, and He forgives all of our rebellious sin. What a God. Amen? What a relationship. What a salvation. What benefits that result in that relationship. You know what? I don't know how we can hear the truth of this amazing God and not want him in our heart. I have no idea. You know, perhaps, and I'm sure most of you, have trusted in Christ as your Savior and Lord, I I hope that for those of you who have, that you just reflect, you know, for a period of time, consistently on how good God is. Because you know what that does for me? It just strengthens my faith. When I'm talking to people, you know, I don't have to worry. Can I really communicate a real God? I was just in a taxi the other day. Fellas, taking me a little distance. And and so just in normal conversation, no big deal. What do you do? What's your work? And so forth. But in the midst of that, I said, could I ask you a question? He said, yes. I said, you know, in your opinion, what is, why did God put you here on this earth? Because he said he did believe in God. I said, when did he put you here? And he says, well, I don't know. See, that's the answer I get. That's the power of just that one question. Because that gives you a way to enter into sharing your faith because you have a God that is wonderful, that is powerful. So you can tell him about Christ. You can tell him about the relationship and and Jesus who came to fix that up. And that man before we left prayed to receive Christ. But you know why? It's because I have a wonderful God and I I have confidence in him because he is so good to me. So today, I'm going to ask those of you, who have not yet trusted in Christ. You've thought about it. Perhaps you've come to this church for months, but you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to really have him in your heart. This is the day for you. This is the day. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer, very simple prayer, but you know what? I, 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 it can't be your prayer. You can repeat these words. They have to come from your heart to God. But I'll tell you, if you'll do that, Jesus Christ will come into your life today. At this moment, he'll give you life, and he'll give you eternal life. So let's bow together for prayer. And As I pray, if you will just trust in Christ, pray this prayer with me, and let it be the prayer of your heart. Heavenly Father, I heard that you love me, and I believe it. Thank you for loving me. And also know, without a doubt, I've sinned. I've gone against you. And so today, I confess my sin. And I ask you, dear God, please forgive me. And I know that you forgive, and so thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And today I choose to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. So, Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Please come into my life. And by faith, I believe you've done it. So thank you for coming in.